Why are police photographing our license plate? What are we doing for veterans returning home damaged physically and mentally, suffering from depression, homelessness, and suicide? Why did the Supreme Court deposit corporate money into our electoral process? Should we redefine middle class as working poor? Or is it just another Wall Street merger? What's really behind new voter picture ID laws in certain states? Why aren't NBC, ABC, CBS, and Fox asking these questions? Welcome to the Reasonable Voice radio show. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice. The mission of the Reasonable Voice is to connect the dots between politics and finance, the need for better and more affordable education, our humanity, world peace, and, of course, the arts, which we then gladly provide our listeners, the voting public, as informative food for thought to provoke their self-determination and appetite for equal economic opportunity and justice for all without truth decay. The Reasonable Voices are advocates prioritizing education, preserving our history, leading by example for a peaceful and prosperous world by evoking and embracing both creative artists and political unity as solutions to our challenges. Good afternoon, this is the Reasonable Voices talk radio program, and I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice. We're here today to talk about the magical mystery of Musigny, which won Best Story at the Los Angeles Animation Festival. It is an animated short by writer-director John Meyer and animation artist Emmett Goodman. And, coincidentally, our reasonable voice guest today is animation artist Emmett Goodman. Emmett, how are you today? I'm doing very well, thank you. Good. I'm fascinated to hear your take on things, especially this uh, magical mystery of Musigny. Emmett Goodman is an animation artist and has been involved with a number of animation products, actually, both commercial and independent. He's a graduate of Pratt Institute. Emmett has directed music videos, web shorts, short films, and has also been involved with properties for Comedy Central, HBO, and Speakaboos. I don't know as much about Speakaboos. We'll ask him about that. Emmett has also written several online articles and animation for ASIFA East and as well as a short film for Asperger Syndrome uh, entitled A Life with Asperger's, directed by Jamie Ekins, 2013. He lives and works in Brooklyn, New York, which I used to stare at at from across the river. Emmett, how are you and welcome? <laughs> I'm doing fine. <laughs> oh, I love Brooklyn. I love Forest Hills. I lived in Queens as well, but mostly in Manhattan. But I love all boroughs in New York City. So, Emmett, let's start out with, I know it's probably, you get this question all the time, but I apologize. I'm just, I'm, I'm looking at your photograph. I know you are a young man. But how young were you when you discovered your interest and talent in uh, in animation? Uh, my interest in animation, uh, I would say, I would have to pinpoint I was 12 years old. All right. Um, I mean, before that, you know, I, 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 you know, I was born in the 80s. And so I, I grew up to the Disney renaissance when uh-huh. Disney was putting out like The Little Mermaid and mm. Aladdin 
The yeah. Lion King, you know, and th- th- those movies were like so. Anim- animation was like a monumental event. Yes, growing up to me, but uh, but it wasn't really like oh, I want to do that when I grow grow up. Mm-hmm. What really got me into it was um, when I was twelve years old. My father discovered a documentary on TV of Nick Park, the, mm. the man who did Wallace and Gromit. Yes, and he was and he was doing a demonstration with the. Um, with the plasticine figures. And that was the first time I ever saw animation like actually physically being done. Mm. And it just, I mean, that, that was, it It was like, so there is a way to make it. Mm -hmm. And and I just, I never, I never lost that amazement. And so I, you know, I made a decision that I would study animation in art school and I'm, you know, I'm still doing it. Uh, Yes. You know, I was going to ask you are, you a graduate of uh, Pratt Institute as I, said, but you are still in school. Where are you in school? And what, what, uh, the obvious question, what are you, what's your focus? What's your, your vision here? Uh, I'm currently uh, finishing up my master's at the School of Visual Arts in uh, New York. Yes. Uh, and uh, I'm, I'm studying, uh, I'm in the uh, MFA computer arts uh, department, mm. which is a, fo- which is, uh, which is a focus on art that's made with, um, with modern technology, modern software, uh, my focus is still animation, um, particularly you know 3D animation. Uh, but I've also learned I've also learned some new skills with uh, with CGI and such. Wow, I love learning new things. Of course, my technical skills aren't, aren't yours by any means, I'm sure. But it's wonderful as we get older that we're still learning new things and then applying them. I think that's the greatest thing the human mind and soul can do to not only fulfill oneself, but to, to inspire other people. And I know I'm inspired by just seeing some of your work. You have a great reel, by the way. We'll mention it for everyone to visit, you know, before we go. But I wonder, how did you, I always say New York City is just one big, small town, but how did you and writer-director John Meyer meet initially um, well i was contacted by a friend of mine uh that that uh john was looking for a um, for an animator for a project um and this friend of mine i i don't know how well he knew him like the name is just getting passed around but mm-hmm. um so i got in touch with john and uh, we met at his uh his apartment in the city mm-hmm. and um you know he told me what he wanted to do I, th- I think John initially wanted to do something for Wine Spectator magazine. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So we started designing it, um, and I, yeah, I, I found the idea, you know, pretty pretty easy to figure out. And um, you know, John John already had a script. He he'd already recorded his voice uh, reading it, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't know. We we kind of just went off and running pretty pretty quickly. Like the whole the whole thing seemed to come seemed to come to us pretty quickly. And uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm still pretty surprised by that, you know, cause I tend to labor over things, mm-hmm. but, but, uh, yeah, that was, um, I, that was it. We met and we got started, you know, pretty fast. And won the best story award. <laughs> <laughs> I'm extremely proud of that. Yes. Well, you, you should be. John sort of describes your first meeting that way too, but he sounded like, well, my impression of him anyway is he's, all right, we talk, let's go. <laughs> I'm glad that, obviously, that the two of you 
got together to do this um, marvelous short, which is, it's a three-minute animation short. I know it's partly your baby, but uh, what do you think when you look at it now? When I look, I'm, I'm, I'm just amazed that it works. Mm. I mean, you know, you know, this is one, one thing, and I think this applies to most filmmakers as well. You know, you work on something for a long time, and once it's done, um, you're not re- you're not really that inclined to watch it again. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've met a lot of people that are just, you know, they they want to remove themselves from the experience, but um, I don't know. Uh, I'm I'm particularly pleased with watching this this one all, all over again, mm-hmm. which, which is a feeling I, I don't have with uh, anything else I've worked on. Mm. And, um, I know, and I guess part of it is because you know it's not completely mine. I like I co-own it with John, mm-hmm. so I know. I guess, I guess it's easier for me to have a more objective view of the of this one. But I'm, you know, I'm amazed that it worked. I'm I'm amazed with um with how funny it is. Mm-hmm. You know? I'm amazed you know, by the response that it's gotten. Just. So yeah, I mean, I would definitely, I de- think I'm definitely going to look back on this project extremely fondly. Yes. Well, I have to say, I, I do understand what you're saying. I, I'm a director, and I often go back to something I've done or written, and and go, oh, gee, that's not bad. I did that. <laughs> that sort of thing. But I hear what you're saying because the moment I watched, well, again, I visited to see your reel. And that is is something. Why don't we, since I keep bringing it up, tell us how we can see your reel online. Uh, well, you can find it on, in two places. One, I have a uh, an online portfolio through Carbon Made. Um, it's called The Art of Emmett Goodman. And uh, if people look it up, they should type Carbon Made as well, because that's the site I use to make it. And uh, I also have a Vimeo page, which, uh, which has my current reel along with a couple of my previous ones um you just have to all you have to do is just look up my name and we'll spell that just in case e-m-m-e-t-t goodman g-o-o-d-m-a-n it's the way it's usually spelled but you never know we just want to make certain everybody has what they need to find you because it's worth the search let me tell you so john what does he do is he tell you uh uh, a synopsis, which is relatively simple. When John told it to me, I thought, and then <laughs> he just, the two of you went off and created this gym. We also discussed, as as, as directors and writers do, I guess, John and I discussed that um, it's a challenge. For instance, when I direct two character, or when anyone directs two character plays, uh, you think that it's a challenge to do this feature-length film, or it's a challenge to do a a book musical with a huge cast, but there is a special challenge for trying to put an entertaining story into three minutes. What do you think? And how did you do it? <laughs> it is a challenge. You know, I mean, actually, I'm doing I'm doing another film right now. I'm in production on it. And huh? I, I was hammering myself to really, you know, to really keep it short, mm-hmm. like really keep it short and sweet. And mm-hmm. that, that, was a, that was a big lesson I got from from using Ye's, uh festival success mm-hmm. you know short you know short and to the point and um, so you know you re- you know you sort of have to cut some corners there you know really think about you know what's going to keep the audience's attention because mm-hmm. that's something you tend to forget when making you know when 
when working on something for so long is that, you know, an audience is going to watch this, not just you. Yes. You know? but, <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> I mean, you do have to give the audience some credit. You know, the audience is smarter than you think. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, you, the, the worst thing you could do, the absolute worst thing you could do is bore them. Exactly. Or, so, or, or in any way appear to be wasting their time. I mean, we obviously live in an age of tweet storms, but but to hold the attention of an audience now on any subject is a challenge with in itself. So you, it, there comes a point. I'm, I'm going to ask you, not tell you, but there comes a point. I think where I find, as a writer anyway, where no matter how wonderful it is, do you find there's some point at which in your work in general, not just necessarily musing me, but where you have to you're not just cutting away some fat, but you have to sacrifice some lean as well for the next time. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, you're absolutely right. You definitely do have to cut away some stuff as well. And um, I mean, for- fortunately, I learned a long time ago, you you can't get everything you want in one project. Mm. Um, you know, you watch, you know, like, I don't know if you ever, ever, ever watch any Pixar movies, but mm. like the, the DVD and Blu-rays, they always show, you know, this is, this scene would have been in the movie, but mm. we cut it out and, and then it ends up in another movie later on. Yes. I, I always imagine it's like that, you know? Yes. You know, that's a good analogy. And you were way ahead of me. I think I was 40 before I learned that lesson. And, you, and, you know, the classical composers, uh, Beethoven, Mozart, Brahms, they were all, uh, Puccini, goodness, uh, Verdi, all of them did love some something about the work, but they pulled it out and then used it at a later time. So you are wise beyond your years, man. Okay, so back to Musigny, and not that we've ever left it, but I wonder, um, you know, you went to Pratt. What did you think of Pratt? I loved it. Yeah. I mean, you know, people ask me, you know, now, now I'm going to grad school at another place, you know, how do I compare the two? And, you know, I had the time of my life when I went to Pratt. Mm-hmm. You know, that was my big college experience, you know. Like, I was, you know, I was living I was living in New York. I mean, I'd been coming to New York for years, but, I, you know, I didn't really move here until I went went to Pratt. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I had a great time. I was, I was studying art. I was, you know, making friends. I was, you know, going to parties. I still look back on my time at Pratt with, with a lot of fondness. Great. I wonder, um, you know, you wear both hats, have worn both hats, certainly, uh, both as animating, uh, animation artist and as a director. Do you prefer one over the other or you bounce back and forth easily? Um, I, I don't know if I bounce back and forth easily between them, but um, I, I, no, I don't think I really do have a preference. Mm. I mean, the reason I call myself an animation artist is because essentially that's, you know, that's how, what we do in the industry. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone wears a different hat, even if there's one particular skill that's, that, um, that gets them around, you know, uh-huh. like, you know, some people are, you know, really good animators, but also happen to be pretty good writers, pretty good, de- uh, designers, um, but they might also have some decent decent software skills, some very good editing skills as well. Um, you know, I even have friends who are actually turning out to be pretty good producers. Mm-hmm. You know, but which which is not 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 a skill I can get get my mind around. Yes. So, you know, 
there's even um you know and there's even some animators that you know do do their own music for their for their work mm. so yeah i mean to me being you know i call myself an animation artist because you know i most of the time don't really know what hats are wear and mm. with with the wine short with with musing yay you know i wore the head of the of the designer of the uh, lead animator and um i had to take the role of co-director you know because you know because the process took um took realistically you know four to five months yeah you know I, and you know i had to bring help on so i had to direct the help on the visual side yeah okay you know we're living in an age not only for technological reasons but for many that we've already discussed in, in the responsive audience and, and finding producers that know how to produce, that we are sort of being educated to be out of necessity Renaissance men. We have to be able to do a lot of things. Well, even, uh, even speaking as one with his foot still, one foot at least still in the 20th century, but I'm getting it. What, what, what's your advice to people coming up? Well, actually it's funny, funny you mention it like that. I, a year ago, I wrote an article for a, for a SIPA International, and um, you know about about the current state of independent independent animation, mm. and the the biggest change that we have from you know from like you know twenty years ago was um is technology mm. is you know all the software that's available, and um, I mean people artists can make films. With nothing more than their laptop, they mm-hmm. can take their laptop to a to a Starbucks or something, and they could be working on a film that could be a big big hit on the festivals. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, ch- technology has changed a lot of things for us. So, um, so we can take our laptop to a Starbucks, we can make a film, and the next thing you know, it goes viral. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're I mean, we're talking, you know, strictly independent. You know, I mean, as opposed to to commercial where you know there's a lot of money involved there's more connections involved more help involved um but it's more of a jo- it's more of a joint effort than a than a a more singular vision mm-hmm. okay all right we're going to take a short break we're having a marvelous conversation with animation artist emmett goodman he was the co-creator of the magical mystery of musigny which won Best Story at the Los Angeles Animation Festival and was written and directed by John Meyer. So stay with us. We'll be right back with animation artist Emmett Goodman. And now, another film rental discovery. Welcome to the Indie Film Minute. When we first saw the Best Exotic Marigold Hotel, we were surrounded by a sea of blue hair. Not punk dye job blue, but the natural old age gray kind. And boy, did they love this story. Seven elderly Brits succumb to promotions of affordable luxury retirement living in India. Predictably, upon arrival, their accommodations offer less than the luxury depicted, setting the stage for a rich tableau of reaction, story, and experience. This film features prime British acting royalty. Dame Judi Dench, Dame Maggie Smith, Bill Nye and Tom Wilkinson, to name a few. Not everyone may recognize these names, but suffice it to say that their mastery in the art of character would make utterly fascinating their reading of a dictionary. And 
they have been given a wonderfully sensitive and comedic story to complement their considerable talents. Sure, the storyline of aging, hope, disappointment, staying positive, and facing death turns out older viewers. So, not about the young? Of course it is. Time marches forward and all can thoroughly enjoy contemplation of what is current for some and future for the rest. Best Exotic Marigold Hotel. Not in theaters. Discovery through rental. Welcome back to the Reasonable Voices talk radio program. My guest today is the animation artist Emmett Goodman, co-creator of the magical mystery of Musing Yi, which won Best Story at the Los Angeles Animation Festival. It is an animated short, three minutes long, by writer-director John Meyer and our guest today, animation artist Emmett Goodman. Emmett, well, we went down a, a lot of paths there, and, and not the least of which was recognizing that technology comes with challenges, but it's also a gift to to the creators, uh, artistic creators of of, uh, of work, especially, as you were pointing out, if they work independently. There are lots of things that can be accomplished. And I know, I think I mentioned in uh, my intro of you that you have worked both as an independent as well as in the commercial field, and yet still you're working in your on your academic advancement. So I guess your plate's pretty full, don't you think? Oh, yeah. <laughs> And you did mention you are also already doing another production. Uh, yes. Uh, well, it's my final project at um, at SBA. Uh-huh. It's, a sh- it's a short film, and uh, I'm hope and uh, I'm supposed to have it finished uh, by May. And um, you know, I'm definitely I'm looking forward to it. You know, because after after working with um, with John, after, you know, after co-directing the 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 musing a short with John, I, I guess. I guess in some way I was a little anxious to sort of prove I could I could do something short on my own mm-hmm. because I, I I directed the last time I solo directed something the it was a particularly long film like it's, it, I, it six minutes six minutes I know doesn't sound long to some people but when it comes to to animated short films yes six, six minutes can't you know crosses the point where it may or may not be a chore to watch it. And um, so I sort of promised myself after that that I would try to keep things short and to the point. Mm-hmm. Although I although I do have to admit I am hoping at some point to try to try my hand at a long at a longer format. At a long piece again. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Because there 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 is a way to make it work. There is a way to make something that the audience genuinely wants to sit still for maybe 10 or 15 minutes and watch mm-hmm. so when you sit down with a project like using ye and whether as solo or duet or, or however how do you when i work with playwrights or teach playwriting i keep telling uh, the writers that you you will run into we all make our contribution to the finished product you know, and, but it starts with the writer, and you know, and then you hand it off to a director who hands it off to ultimately to a cast that hands it off ultimately to an audience, and all the way each participant, including the audience, makes their own contribution to what this finished artistic product is. To actors, I say, remember, we can do a lot of wonderful things, but it all starts 
with a blank page, which neither of us wrote. Well, when it comes to animation, it, it, it also starts with a blank page. So what is it like before you set pen or computer to, uh, to paper or hard drive, depending on your century? <laughs> what's, that, what's that like? How long do you sit and ponder? Do you walk, take rides by the uh, Hudson River or something? <laughs> what do you do? What do I? <clears throat> what do I do? I don't really have any set um set regiment. Mm-hmm. Uh, taking a long walk, cer- you know, certainly doesn't hurt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, you, you, you know, it honestly, inspiration comes from anywhere. It comes yes. from life. It comes from comes from art. You know, I mean, most of the work I've done, inspiration comes from a lot of places. It comes from films that I've seen, my favorite animation. It comes from, you know, sites around me, experiences. Um, I mean, with, you know, with with uh, John's story, you know, I mean, John, I mean, John had had his story written already. In mm-hmm. fact, it only it only went through one edit, you know, before we we finalized it. Mm. And um but the inspiration, you know, uh, for it came from uh, one thing that inspired me was, you know, when we were talking about wine tastings and, you know, and John, I think, had one of those uh, one of those placemats that um, that they have for uh, wine tastings where they yes. have like the spot for the cup and the label for the the brand that you're drinking. Yes. That was a very good starting point. Like that, that was. I thought, well, there's a visual right there that you could work with. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, with the characters popping out of the different, um, the different wines there, and that led to the idea of um, maybe having having the characters like appear as drawings on napkins or sheets or any nearby sheet of paper on a on a table. Mm. And you know, and that and that certainly suited the idea of. Um, John and his wife and the ideological differences they had, you know, like they, they only, it's only in the very last scene of the short that they appear to be drawn on the same surface. Mm. And that's the point where they're, that they're finally in agreement, in agreements on the, uh, on the wine topic. Mm-hmm. I agree with you about that. Inspiration can pop in your head without you, Without you even asking or expecting it, just boom. And if you're lucky, you have a life that allows you to stop right then and there and put it to paper or on computer, as I keep mentioning. But so that's a that's a wonderful thing. Tell me about speakaboos. That's um, I'm not as familiar at all with that. Of course, everyone's heard of Comedy Central and HBO, and we'd love to hear about your experiences there. But tell us a, a bit about Speakaboos first. What is that? Um, I'm not really sure how much I can really, really talk about it. I mean, it's uh, it's children's learning, uh-huh. um, like children two two to eight years old. Um, it's mo- it's they're mostly like interact. They're like interactive stories, online stories, um, and I worked on them through um, through a, pri- a private company, uh, PLR Tunes. Uh, which is run by uh, uh, Pilar Newton, an animator, a very good friend of mine, hmm. and uh, and I, I guess I would say she is the director for some of for some of those projects. Um, and I was ma- and ma- mainly I I assisted her as a in the animation department. 
Ah, okay. Well, I'm glad to. That's exactly the kind of thing I wanted to know. So, Comedy Central and HBO. That's got to be happy memories, yes? Um, mild, I mean, mildly. I mean, these aren't projects that I was the director on, but like, mm-hmm. but basically there were properties that I got to be involved with from the, from the animation standpoint. Yes. And, um, you know, I mean, years ago I worked, uh, I worked, um, for a studio in Brooklyn that did the comedy central short, uh, ugly, uh, show ugly Americans. Uh-huh. And, that, and I mean, that, I mean, for me, that was a very good experience. I learned a lot about, you know, about, you know, streamlining production um, and, uh, you know, digital, you know, it certainly, it was the first time I worked all digitally in animation mm-hmm. uh, rather than the tra- traditional pencil on paper way. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a very good experience for me. And how did a life with Asperger's come your way uh, to be animated by you? How did that come uh, about? I, well, first of all, I actually, I did not animate that one. Ah. Uh, if, if anything, I'm the subject and writer of that one. Oh, tell us um, about that. Well, that was directed by a friend of mine, uh, Jamie Ekins, uh, who's a, a ve- who's a very good filmmaker in her own right. Yes. And, um, is she, you know, and, um, she, well, she hadn't really done a, a film of her own for some for some time, and uh, she came and uh, she wanted to interview me initially. I think about um, like if I had any, any experience uh, with bullying growing up. Hmm. Um, and so initially it started like that, and so she did an interview with me. Uh, no, no different from what we're doing right now. Mm-hmm. Um, we ended talk ended up talking more about um my own personal experiences with the uh, autism. I was diagnosed with Asperger's syndrome when I was nine years old. Uh-huh. And, and, um, so the interview gave way to, to me just sort of talking about my experiences and, uh, and she, you know, with, with my blessing, you know, she went off and, uh, and developed a visual around it. And, mm. uh, she, she made a very good film out of that. And the, and the thing that about that, and uh, that's primarily Jamie's film more uh-huh. than anything. I'd, I'd say that's Jamie, that's Jamie's baby. Okay. But, but you know, I mean, it that got into several festivals. It went around the world. Um, but you know, and the thing that I particularly feel proud of proud of with that film was that we were discussing um, me as an adult dealing dealing with autism because mm-hmm. I feel like there's not enough resources out there that about about a, about adults with autism. It's mostly talking about you know how, you know how to how to handle children with autism, how to how to communicate with them, or how to help them communicate. But there's not really a whole lot of talk about how children with autism mature into adulthood. Yeah. You know? And um, and I and you know you know I think that's a, that's an important thing for children to see. So. And, you know, and I did get some emails from people, you know, saying how, you know, they, they were very, they were very happy to hear that, that it was a big help to them. So, yes. so if anything, yeah, I mean. Well, you know, I've had a few guests in the past. I've had a lot of guests who are concerned with various uh, health issues, mental health issues, uh, Alzheimer's, whatever. But one guest I remember in particular who spoke of 
we as a society are not really prepared beyond childhood to deal with autism. They're kind of uh, aged out of the system. And then, and my question was, because I was initially extremely surprised by that, I said, well, what, what happens if, if uh, what do people think it goes away just because you turn 21? And she's not, and she, I never forget her. She said, there you have it, Marcello. That's the question. But it's a question we have to all ask ourselves and certainly ask our government and everybody else. But I'm glad you shared that with us, Emmett. Wow. That is something to be proud of. And 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 thanking Jamie for making that possible. Do you work much with her anymore? Uh, well, she, well, she's uh, out of the country right now. Uh-huh. Um, she's an artist in residence in um, in China. Oh, right now. So, so she she's on a totally different venture. Um, we still communicate uh, uh, every so often. Um, you know, af- after the Asperger film. She made she made a few more films with the uh, with other people in a similar manner. She mm-hmm. made she made one that was autobiographical for her. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not really sure what she's working on right now. I mean, I mean, you know, I mean, I certainly look forward to what her next project will be. Sounds good. I look forward to what your next project will be. Can you give us any hint? I know you're working, as you said, on a school assignment, but. Uh, can you give us any hint about it, or 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 what's beyond that for you? The I can tell you that the film is um, it's going to be part three D animation and part two D animation, hmm. and it's going to be a funny film, but it's going to also have uh, something very intense to it. It's going to deal with anxiety. Hmm. Hmm. Well, we seem to have. <laughs> Extra amounts of that these days. Somebody needs to teach us how to calm down and be happy and productive and all that. Sharing, being kind, and so forth. What do you think of uh, Vimeo? I mean, I know this may seem a strange question, but I see more and more work posted there, and and I've become... uh, A lot of my guests come to me through submitting their work on Vimeo to me, so... What what do you, you have any particular thoughts and is is it working for you and uh, Musigny? Uh, no, nothing strange about that at all. <laughs> you know, I, I I personally love Vimeo. Yeah. I love the I love the quality of the of the work on there, and I love what it offers. Like if if anything, it's a great platform for for independent artists. Mm. Who, you know, who do independent film, independent video work. Um. You know, I mean, you know, there there aren't real. There's no advertising on the site, but if you know, but if something on Vimeo does gain a lot of traction, a lot of attention, you know, that you know, there it do, it can go to a go to a um another level. Mm-hmm. But if like if you're just starting off out, you're just looking for business, mm-hmm. and you're just tr- you're just trying to get your work out there. Yeah, Vimeo is a excellent platform. Mm. Well, I feel the same way especially as I talk to artists like yourself who have their work on Vimeo, I'm always impressed how the easy access that I can get to it, of course, to prep for a show, but also the quality, as you say, of the platform allows me to enjoy, to really take in. And of course, there's always replay and replay. (laughs) But I wonder now, so you took off, and, and we have to go soon, but you just took off with your via your animation genius on the magical mystery of Musigny after uh, 
I guess uh, uh, writer-director John Meyer tells you his character, John, has discovered the power of Burgundy, uh, but has a hard time convincing his wife. And you ran with that. (laughs) I think that's amazing. I just think, wow. And it speaks of John's trust in your talent, which, of course, he expressed to me. John tells me, as you have also confirmed, you are, for all the notoriety that's now flying around the magical mystery of Musigny by you and John Meyer, Emmett Goodman, that you are sticking to finishing your education, the academic responsibility of a young man, and he wants you to run away with him to the circus. So, <laughs> But I'm all for education. So tell me, what are your priorities, young man? Uh, well, my priority, top priority right now is to, is to, get, my, um, is to get my film done hmm. to graduate. And after that, my priority will be to, you know, get back to work. You know, hope, you know, I'm hoping to teach at some point. Mm. And of course, John and I are are discussing our next collaboration. Excellent. So as soon as so as soon as my current film is finished this uh, this coming summer, we'll probably be off and running on um on our next project. Marvelous. I'm glad to hear that because he said that too. Both of you speak glowingly, not only of each other, but of the work you create together, which is always a good sign. I guess we're going to have to run. We have been talking to animation artist Emmett Goodman, who's also a director, and he is uh, co-created with writer-director John Meyer, The Magical Mystery of Musigny, which won Best Story at the Los Angeles Animation Festival. Emmett, take us out on whatever contact information you would like to share. I certainly want people, I know we've mentioned it, but I want people to be able to find not only Musigny, but find you and your reel and your other work. Let us know how we can do that. Uh, Okay. There's a Vimeo, of course. Um, The Musigny is, is available to be viewed on Vimeo under my name, Emmett Goodman. And of course, I have a, um, I have a, a, a personal portfolio site, The Art of Emmett Goodman, at Carbon Made, uh, C-A-R-B-O-N-M-A-D-E. And um, we also have an Instagram presence. I have a personal Instagram where I, where I post a lot of my personal artwork. And we also have an Instagram going for the, sh- for the uh, film as well. Mm. You know, we'll be posting um, some uh, some images pertaining to the short film in the in the coming weeks. Okay, well, very good. Well, we certainly wish you all the very best, Emmett Goodman, academically, professionally, independently, you know, in in every way. And, and I appreciate your being on the show and sharing all the professional as well as personal information. Okay. Okay. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. Bye now. All right. Bye. And now, another film rental discovery. Welcome to the Indie Film Minute. Movie geeks, take note. Quartet is Dustin Hoffman's first directing credit. Let us see what this old pro might have up his artistic sleeve. Ah, no tricks, deep meaning, or acting bravado. Just a delightful stroll through an old age home filled with funny and lovable retired performers. Sure, there are threads of a plot, 
One couple were married once, but she cheated soon after the wedding, and he has never forgiven her. She was a big star and is still a diva, and arrives to shake up the place with her airs and demands. Another thread is the unlikely need to put on a show, ostensibly to save their beloved retirement home with the proceeds. But for the show to work, the old lovers must reunite, and our diva must be able to hit a note she is no longer confident can be reached. Not exactly heavy material, but we celebrate quartet for what may be the best reason of all. It's simply enjoyable entertainment. Here we have another entry into the silver dollar trend. Films on senior subjects populated by the most appealing of elder stars. The humanity is real. The laughs strike true, and we learn that Dustin Hoffman respects us by not taking himself too seriously. What's not to like? Quartet, not in theaters. Discovery through rental. Find us on the web at indiefilmminute.com. Hello, I'm Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, thanking you for joining us and becoming one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Trump in the Oval Office, in-game, good old fundraising revival, or coup. 1973 Nixon's DOJ sued Donald Trump for racial discrimination. In 2019, first Oval Office address. The accused again proves himself unfit for the office of President of the United States of America, and that he and his chosen vice both suffer from the same on-camera acting coach. Morning after talking heads to the contrary, the big news isn't 51% of Democrats identify as liberals, despite all branding by cokeheads like Karl Rove. It's that following the NRA 45's regurgitation, there was a glimmer of hope that TV hosts finally realized this joke isn't funny anymore. Eye-rolling smirks and derisive laughter of a fourth estate confusing their First Amendment responsibilities with labeling our inept, apathetic, narcissistic-in-chief endangers national security. No one should feel unsafe in the United States of America, not fearful of a government-manufactured crisis, not subjugated by the super-wealthy, not for a shutdown stunt as manipulative as Bush Cheney's axes of evil wag, because everyone wishing to work is an essential worker, essential to family, America, and humankind. America is an ongoing conversation, with Americans now at a troublesome lull before blowing the bloody doors off, where it's reasonable to say no to the unreasonable, to secure a path forward to all-inclusive freedom, justice, and affordable health care on a planet we've reduced to devouring itself. When global leaders brand the less fortunate as a national emergency, it's usually a preamble to anti-humanitarian ethnic cleansing. But when a shallow, trivial thinker talks himself into a corner, treed by colluding with devastating delusions, callous illusions, and unapologetic deceit, expect martial law recklessly laced with domestic terrorism. The alt-right base of GOP support can no longer insult our intelligence without consequences. For we know six immigrants on the U.S.-Mexican border in the first half of fiscal year 2018, whose names were on a federal government list of known or suspected terrorists, according to CBP data, does not a national emergency make. 
Yet, Donald Trump claims that his border wall really does have a higher purpose than the next week's pay, and the people that won't get next week's pay, or the following week's pay, I think if you ever really looked at those people, I think they'd say, Mr. President, keep going. This is far more important. Indeed, Trump is right. There are some things more important than the next paycheck, but... Nothing inflicted on Americans by his acting cabinet heads, gerrymandered 115th Congress, or executive privilege threat to muzzle Robert Mueller's report is anything more than the fungus of Nixon, Bush, Cheney on steroids. Hopefully the new look of our 116th House of Representatives is more than skin deep smarter than poo-pooing all over thirty-something, and wise enough to see America's real wall crisis is not a trumped bait-and-switch issue. The real wall is the one our 115th Congress, terrified of Trump's base, built on the foundation of antebellum plantations and the backs of Taft's little brown brothers. We need legislators who share the pain of their constituents, feeling the effect of trade wars on farmers, government shutdowns on wage earners, and the weight of student loan servitude. These walls are constructed by those believing another's gain is their loss. The real wall enforced by a first-ever press room visit, Oval Office ramblings, and Rose Garden promises is being blind to the power source fueling Trump's astounding ability to manipulate media focus. Truth both hurts and sets us free, and awaits discovery in our interrupting the uninterrupted fixation with false prophets. Since 20 January 2017, we've been misgoverned by a reality show host suffering from borderline insanity. The cure for this disease is electing people who can marry the art of television with love thy neighbor as thyself, because unless their personal income is negatively impacted, regardless of what happens to others, a third of American voters will vote to re-elect the masters of nothing save prevarication. Donald Trump and Mike Pence. Republicans are elected by Americans feeling anxious about losing their perceived proprietary position in an American world without end. Shall we now be about the business of our humanity and stop fielding what Trump is pitching, aligning with diversity's power, ensuring peace of mind for all, particularly veterans, civil servants, farmers, first responders, teachers, nurses, freeing all children from cages, knowing America's best border security is justice for all? We protect America's borders by investigating Russian activity in Trump Tower, Oval Office, and social media by investigating everyone leaking polling data to an enemy of the state, by investigating possibility that too many Trump White House occupants snuggle closer to treason than patriotism, and finally by investigating America's heir apparent, Mike Pence. Know this, some men just want to watch the world burn. Fixating on them alone allows their walls to obstruct America's razor's edge. Thank you, and join us. Become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world.
Thank you for continuing to listen to, support, and share the Reasonable Voice Blog Talk Radio with family and friends, especially online. We enjoy hearing from you, and in response, yes, we are now accepting new company and business advertisers and welcoming organizations seeking to be one of our sponsors. So please do continue to email us at thereasonablevoice at gmail.com. However, if you prefer to simply make a donation, your donations are greatly appreciated and can be made through PayPal by clicking on the Donate button found at the top of the homepage of The Reasonable Voice website. Thank you for joining us today to make every day as reasonable as possible. We hope you will download and share our downloadable podcasts. I'm Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, hoping you will become one of the reasonable voices heard around the world.